Bacon Hole. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Bacon and Eggs. My name is Justin. Didn't have breakfast this morning. Oh, let me let me cook you up something real quick there on the uh, flapjack, uh, the the hot pot. Yeah, tell me what the tell hot me, plate, whatever we got yeah, there. Tell me what you got. Tell me the ingredients. I'll tell you the specials of the day after the show. But we got a little podcast we're trying to run here. Justin. Okay, let's go. All right, <laughs> listen. Let's cut the intro, uh, and then we'll use production magic to get Justin his breakfast before the interview. Okay? Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right, we're sizzling out. Yeah, uh, but Justin, I I know you didn't eat breakfast today. To yeah. That's that's true. But you must have eaten breakfast for some of the um, intense Long Island Shore action you caught this weekend, allegedly. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. Will, you know I'm a man of breakfast. I know you know this. I never told you, but I feel that you know it. I can tell just by looking at you. You're you're a breakfast aura generating I'll get my bacon, egg, and cheese and also a bagel, and then I go half and half and half. Jesus, that was so long. That might have been too Long Island for me. The bacon, egg, and cheese in one hand, a bagel in the other, Billy Joel playing. I I didn't choose this life. Jesus. Don't like Billy Joel. You're born on the island. You're an island person. I've been there myself. Hold the Billy Joel, please, on my Mm -hmm. bagel. Thank you so much. All right. Well, yeah, you know, we're we're angling men. Mm-hmm. We live by the ocean. I'm Polish. I'm not. Uh, oh, oh ang- I, I thought you said Anglican. <laughs> I'm sorry, angling. Yeah, <laughs> anglers. We fish. Yes, we surf cast. And you know, they call it they call it fishing for a reason. You know, because if you're always pulling up the big ones, they they call it catching. Bing bong. We've addressed that before. Mm-hmm. So true. This is you know words of wisdom. We, we try to repeat sometimes to drill into your head, but had good luck this weekend. Pull up a couple of porgies. Dynamite. Grilled them on the beach um, with, with my new Coleman grill. Uh, it was very nice uh, out there in Montauk, the Labor Days. Mm. Shout out to Labor. Jesus. And, uh, fishing, yeah. fishing in Montauk on Labor Day weekend. So Long Island. Yeah, man. Having, a good, having a good time. Oh. Got new sunglasses. Okay. Okay. Do they have uh, little lights and a strap on the back? Nah, man. I'm not, okay. I'm not trying to get uh, cease and desist on so, my yeah, hanging I was going to say, you know your, week, your week just got even better because now I don't have to call my lawyer on you. Yeah. yeah Let's leave the law on this. How was your weekend, Will? Well, um, I know a lot about fishing, uh, not so much about catching today. I Well, for the weekend, I actually I did work a little bit. I caught some of the old holiday pay. Uh, as they say, when you go in on a, on a, on a, a national holiday and you work uh, for Labor Day. But I, I, I enjoyed myself. I got paid for it. It was great. For, you know, holiday pay, the only time my job actually pays me fairly, allegedly. Um, but regardless, that's a whole <laughs> other story of woe. I got a different story of woe queued up right now. I went fishing uh, at Comset uh, State Park today yes. with the old man. Located in uh, beautiful Long Island, New York. Yeah, Lloyd Harbor, uh, where my family has been fishing for four. I'm the fourth generation. Uh, my father decided to fish there. Um, even before it was a state park, when it was a private estate, um, they, the, the Marshall Fields family had hired uh, many Polish immigrants from the local Huntington Polish uh, immigrant community that worked out there, and that's my family goes back. We'll get into that a whole other time. But, um, but yeah, long, long history uh, on that beach of catching fish. Um, not done proud today. I, we didn't <laughs> catch anything. It was horrible, and, you know, Usually, I gotta admit. Usually, there's like, um, uh, uh, like when I'm not catching anything, there's another fisherman or, or somebody with some fishing poles, like 10, 10 20 feet yeah, down. Yeah, you see that guy, and that, they're just reeling them in one yeah. after one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what, what hook do I use? What's exactly. going on? But no, nobody was catching anything down there today. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. There was like the couple next to, you know, a, a little, a little ways down from us, they caught one porgy. 
the whole time. And when you catch one porgy and there's not a whole bunch of his friends out there, that's just a sad kind of day. It's like, it how are you going to eat one porgy? You know, we get like two nuggets out of that. Yeah, that you is. know, you better not be that hungry. You better have some yeah. backup food. Mm. Oh, my God. But listen, uh, Tom, I know you might have had some something of a blessed family event going on uh, yeah. uh, over the weekend. Hopping out of the uh, fishing hole, Tom. Was, was there enough food? There, well, I actually didn't attend this event, but thank you for bringing that up. Congratulations to Lizzie and Connor. Lizzie is my sister. Connor is my future brother-in-law, which means Ooh. I uh, finally will. There will be another man in the family. Yeah, there's there a go. lot of women in your family, yeah. not a lot of men. Yeah, just me and Dad up until now. Yeah. Uh, and my, my Dad doesn't like whiskey like I do, but Connor does. So I like Connor. Great He's a good news. guy. All right, shout out to him. And so shout out to the yeah, shout out to them. Congratulations. Uh, they, there was a bridal shower. Um, we're actually doing the wedding at my parents' house. Okay. Your parents' house is nice. It nice. is. I want to get married there yeah, if I meet the right lady. Incredibly in, nice, yeah. incredibly convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, a plus. All I right. want to marry your yeah. dog as my as, as, as my life partner that, that is in no way romantic. There you I'll, go. I'll, I, will, um, I will not look any further into that. Uh, nah. It's it's intended use. I know you and my dog get along very well. Tom's, Tom's telling me to go adopt my own dog. I, yeah, I've I, always I, I just don't want you to take away my dog. Uh, okay? I've always but wanted I, to walk my right. dog down the aisle. Yeah, but I, you're allowed I, over anytime. Marrying <laughs> your dog platonically would just be putting extra steps and kidnapping your dog. I'm not going to do it to you. Okay, plus right. one. Catch me by surprise, if you will. Plus but, one. Uh, catch catch me outside. Yeah. All right. so, <laughs> this is. Uh, yeah, it's it's all good news. I uh, got a lot of sun this weekend. I didn't do much. Because mm. on Labor Day, you're not supposed to labor. Ooh. And I view the th- things like, you guys go out there, you fish. You enjoy this a lot. Yeah. I don't I don't have that connection to fishing. So yeah. uh, putting a bucket in my hand with dead fish to catch other dead fish, that's like work to me. So I'm just <laughs> not going to do it. I'll go out next weekend. When it's, I, it's like death metal to me, but that's a whole other <laughs> Yeah, no, that's analogy. fine. It's, of course. Yeah. It's, it's good work. It's uh, Either way. Um, but I, I don't have much to report outside of the, the good news there. That's not necessarily mine, and mm-hmm. I will be selfish Beautiful. and say not much going on. So let's move this along. Let's right. we got well, a great interview. Well, yeah, shout, out, right? shout out to Labor one more time. Something mm-hmm. uh, I think would make an appropriate gift for a newlywed couple, yeah, uh, or a fisherman who didn't catch any fish. A big old pile of eggs. Uh, that newlywed couple, uh, yep. they're a team now. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to feed a family eventually. You need mm-hmm. those eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, you yeah. and I didn't catch any fish. We got to feed the family. Well, I got one. Give me the. Uh, all right. But it, it wasn't <laughs> enough. I'm going to need to chop suppl- it up, I'll make f- fish omelets. Got to supplement Big that. Big Mong. Listen. Working together like the shell and the yolk, and the whites are in there too. Yeah, and you know what you can use the, the eggs for as well? Breading. The chicken wings mm-hmm. at your local Hooters restaurant. We're going to talk about all that and more tonight when we talk to Parma, Ohio's noise core legend Steve X. Beautiful. It's gonna uh, be amazing. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I think he's got. All, he's gonna have a bunch of tips for us and uh, and for the listeners. Get him on the egg. I get him on. Get him on the. the call him up. from Heavy Hole Podcast here, as always, with Justin and Tom. And we're joined tonight on the phone by Steve Eggs uh, of Zit Squatch, Pile of Eggs, 
Nut Screamer, the list goes on. How you I'm doing, good. Steve? I'm rocking and rolling, just chilling, taking it easy. Awesome, man. This guy's an inspiration. I want to take it as easy as he's taking it, man. Uh, Steve, go. You know, we have a lot of questions about all your different projects, pile of eggs through the years, that sort of thing. But we always start from the beginning, uh, and we always ask our um, listeners. Um, we always ask our guests. Are you from a particular uh, musical family or a family that uh, is in any way um, uh, friendly to hard rock or extreme metal or anything like that? Well, I definitely do not come from a musical family, but both my mom and dad enjoyed music, but they did not play music. They liked music, but they didn't play any sort of music or in bands or anything or nothing like that. They were just music, um, music fans, my parents were. Okay, and, and you're, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, they never encouraged me not to listen to what I did, didn't like. You know, they, they whatever I wanted to listen to, they were always cool with it. They never had a problem. Okay, and you're uh, originally from Parma, Ohio, right? Yeah, I'm from Parma, Ohio. Still from Parma, Ohio. Okay, could you tell us a little bit about, like, you know, before you get into the underground music and all that sort of thing, what was it like uh, growing up in Parma, Ohio, and what era of, of metal and, and, and punk and popular music are we talking about when you're a kid and you're coming of age? When, when, when I'm a kid and I'm about seven, eight years old, um, I had a friend down the street, and I would go down to my friend's house all the time. My friend down the street had an older brother, and, his, and I was about maybe seven or eight and uh, my same with my buddy and my buddy's older brother was about 16 17 and he had albums in his room by kiss black sabbath and this is in about 77 78 and um my eyes got completely attracted to the kiss records and i i, I just was like what is this when i was a little kid so when i was a little kid I asked my mom to buy me some uh, Kiss records. I think Kiss Alive 2 was maybe my first Kiss record. And um, my mom got me Lunchbox, and she knew I liked Kiss. And I remember being a little kid and being in the car, driving around with my mom, going to the stores and doing stuff. And she'd have the radio on. Whenever ACDC would come on, I would always be like, Mom, turn this song up. This is the song. This is the song I like. It's in the Dirty Deeds or Highway to Hell. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so music was never a problem with my parents and stuff. They, they, they saw what was going on in the world and whatnot, and it was probably new to them. They didn't know what this band with makeup, breathing fire, is, you know, and ACDC. But I, I was connected to to the heavier side of music when I was little, and I didn't know nothing about a scene or putting out records or being in bands. I just was attracted to like Black Sabbath. I always remember seeing that that first Black Sabbath record over my buddy's house of the first Black Sabbath album being like, what is this? And being so scared to listen to it. Like I thought, I thought demons were going to come out of the closet and kill me or something, <laughs> you know? But, uh, but I, I, I always, I always enjoyed heavier music, but I, I also liked other styles of music too. Always. There has never been a time where I was strictly metal, you know? I, I used to listen to the uh, CCR and uh, the Rolling Stones, and my parents had a thing for 50s and 60s music, so I always liked the 50s and 60s music too, and uh, very open-minded music listener, I think I've always been. 
Uh, yeah, and now you talk about um, you know Black Sabbath, all that, all that heavy stuff. When you start Pile of Eggs, if I'm not mistaken, you're probably in like your late teens, right? Yeah, when I started Pile of Eggs in 1990, I was probably about 20 years old. Okay, prior to that, like in high school or anything, had you been in any bands? Um, when when I when I was about 13, about 83, 84, I got my first guitar because I I I I was collecting music at that time. I was buying Motley Crue records, Van Halen records, Judas Priest records, and I got my first guitar when I was 13, 14, and that was in about 83, 84, and I just learned how to play guitar by putting records on and just playing along with them. I didn't know if I was doing it right or doing it wrong or whatever, but just felt good playing a guitar. So um, by the time I started putting Pile of Eggs together, I wasn't trying to put a band together at all. That had nothing to do with being in a band or doing anything. It was just doing something for fun in the early 90s, 1990. And I had a buddy that was kind of doing a band, and uh, he lived down the street. And when they weren't practicing or rehearsing, I took my guitar over there and was just jamming with the drummer guy. And then I left my guitar there, and I went over to my buddy's house, and someone was playing on my guitar. And I went upstairs. I'm like, "That's cool. Let me play your bass." And then, and then, Chris came upstairs and started playing drums. Then we just started just just messing around. Like it wasn't like we planned it out. It, it was no plan at all. 100. percent It was just like, let's just jam together for fun. And then we did it again. We did it again. And then we did it again. And we didn't even have a name for the band because we weren't a band. We were just doing it in the in the basement, and then he moved the stuff upstairs, and then we were doing it upstairs. So we, we were doing this band just at my buddy's house, and I ended up recording a couple sessions. About six months go by, and we didn't jam. And what happened was, out of the couple jams that I recorded up in the basement, or down in the basement and upstairs, I had three tapes of us just fucking around in, the, in, the, in, in somebody's house. And I ended up putting up putting out the first pile of eggs demo which is just us fucking around up down in the basement and upstairs in an attic and then we didn't even have a name for the band it was just kind of like weird how it happened and uh, then me and the drummer dude were talking about names of the band and then the other dude started talking about names for the band and we were coming up with gross stuff like you know bloody bloody penis you know because anal cunt or something you know like we knew that there was meat shits were out there you know, and, and, you know, bands were coming up with a little bit sicker names. So they were coming up with sick names. And uh, my buddy Chris said, how about, how about Poe? And I'm like, Edgar Allan Poe? What are you talking about? He goes, let's name the band Poe. And I'm like, what, what do you mean Poe? And he goes, pile of eggs. And I started laughing because me and Chris had like a dumb inside joke that only me and him understood. And pile of eggs was like the punchline to this dumb joke we made up. And... So we already had like a couple jams down on tape with no name. I put the tape together, named it Pile of Eggs, and that's how it became Pile of Eggs. Just a <laughs> I, luck of the I, draw, you know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. how 
we started doing pile of eggs. And when I started doing pile of eggs in 1991, in like 89, 1990, I was doing my own magazine called the Scab Mag. And the first issue didn't even come out yet. So back in the day, in like 19, 1990, I was starting a magazine. And the magazine came out in 19, 1990, and I didn't have the band yet. But when, but when the magazine was done, and I started mailing the magazine to the bands that I did reviews for and bands I did interviews with, I started sending my tape to these other bands and sending a lot of flyers. And we weren't even a real band yet. We were just a bunch of kids in the basement making racket, like sloppy, snotty, goofball punk. It wasn't even metal. It was like punky <laughs> goofball music, you know? But, uh, um, yeah, that's kind of like how I started doing the pile of eggs thing. It was just a, a complete accident. Everything about it was an accident. The, the name was an accident. Putting the tape together was an accident. Just mailing the tape out into the mail was an accident. Like, hey, here, hey, guys, here, thanks for doing an interview. Here's my magazine. Check out my band. And then I was trading my magazine for other people doing the same kind of fanzine, you know, just doing fanzines. And next thing you know, I'm trading my magazine with other people that do magazines and they're like, Hey, I heard you doing a band. I'm like, yeah, here, check out this tape. And, and next thing you know, the tape started getting reviews and then magazines started interviewing me. And the only thing we ever did was press record in the basement and didn't even rehearse. We didn't rehearse. <laughs> we didn't practice. It was just us making, making fun, you know, just having fun, having fun, you know, just yeah. doing it for fun. Yeah. And I, before, before you get too, um, too far ahead, I want to stop you because, uh, Recently, um, you did an interview with the YouTube channel Sub CLE. Um, yes, it's yes. A Cle- um, uh, mainly specializes in, in Cleveland uh, entertainers, performers, artists, um, not just extreme metal, but all sorts of uh, different people from Cleveland. And we do want to promote them and shout them out. I thought they did a great job of interviewing you. You talked at length about um, your, fr- your long-running friendship and collaborations with Jim Kanye. Um, yes. Who I, I I don't want to really st- step on that sub CLE interview, but was was Jim Kanye one of the people that you were starting to jam with when you talk about a friend living down the house, d- d- living down the street and jamming no, in the but house? No, my, my buddy, my buddy that I was jamming with down the street, his, his name's Chris Dora, and Chris Dora plays in tons of metal bands. Like Chris was playing in a band called Decrepit at the time, and they're mm-hmm. they're 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 like a local Cleveland death metal band, and that's that's who I started Pile of Eggs with was with with Chris from Decrepit. And um, I I met Jim in like 89, but it was just like running into him like at an amusement park. Like (laughs) the dude just came up to me and started talking to me like he knew me at the amusement park. And I didn't know Jim. And and he was like, dude, man, you're pissed. And I was like, no, dude, it sucks. I got all fucking wet on that ride. I didn't want to go on that fucking ride. I'm combing my wet hair and I was pissed. You know, I was pissed. Because I got on this water ride that I didn't want to ride and I got all fucking wet. And Jim was like, dude, you're a piss medalist. Where'd you get that Metallica shirt? And this is like 89. You know what I'm saying? And and, and <laughs> I met Jim at, at, at Cedar Point, of all places, for me to meet Jim. was That's the first time I met Jim. And I had some friends in school because I had a vocation that took me to uh, a different school in Parma. Because Parma has three major high schools. Parma High, Normandy, and Valley Forge. And I went to Parma and Valley Forge, 
And some of the people I knew at Valley Forge knew, knew Jim. And then when I was at Parma High, I knew some kids that came in from Normandy, and they knew Jim. But um, I never met Jim. And then the next thing you know, after I met him, after I met Jim at Cedar Point, I ran into him at a comic book store. And then I ended up running into him at a record shop. And then we started talking. Me and Jim started talking, and we were talking. And then, and then um, I was like, yeah, I'm going home. You want to follow me over to my house? And, and, and Jim was like, I only got my bike. I'm like, well, come on here. I'll put your bike in my car. And we threw Jim's bike in my car because I had a Pinto at the time, a longer version. And uh, we went over to my house, and I showed off my record collection to Jim. And then once he saw my record collection and he knew I was doing a magazine and, and stuff like this, then our, our, our friendship <laughs> grew really fast right away. As soon as he came over to my house and saw my, he saw my record collection, um, Jim was telling me about a band that he did called Minch, and he's got a record coming out. And I thought that was the biggest thing in the world back in like 1990, 89, 89, 90. I'm like, wow, you got a record coming out? He's like, yeah. And when I got, I went to a record store, you know, just like, you know, I went to a record store with my buddy Chris, and, and this was like maybe two, three months later, and I found the Minch record at the record store, and I ended up buying the, the record, and I really loved it, and then I started calling Jim a lot more, and Jim started calling me back, and then we became friends because of Minch, I think is how we became friends, because I really, really fell in love with that record. Still one of my favorite records today, you know, 30 years later. 40, yeah, a lot, 30, a lot of you know. a lot of uh, nostalgia. Um, there. Yeah, so so meeting Jim was a real big part of my life because um, that was what influenced me to put out the pile of egg tapes. I'm like, you know what? If, if people could go down in the basement, pound on a dryer, and put it on a record, I could put these these three tapes that I have made from months ago, put them on a tape, and make a best of compilation, and just put the tape out. Like that gave me the balls to do that tape once I heard the Minch record. Yeah, and 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 it led what what I what I would like to get into, um, because because you know you talked about that first demo and and you're in, a, a lot about your inspiration behind the uh, the Yuck Core ninety one demo, um, out of this world demo ninety one ninety two. But then in ninety three, if I got this all correct, you can stop me. In ninety three, the Worship the Egg demo is the first to come out with a lineup of people that you met through the underground tape 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 trading network and came to visit you in Parma, Ohio to record. Yep, that's what happened because all the guys that were doing pile of eggs cuz we did the first tape not knowing that it was even a tape. We weren't recording to put it out. We were just doing it in the basement in the attic just for fun. And then when the tape started circling around and I did an interview for some magazine from Japan, my friends were like, "What?" I'm like, yeah, people thought it was cool tape. And they're like, well, let's jam again. So we ended up jamming, I think, maybe three more times after the, the first tape came out. And those, those three jams were the uh, out-of-this-world demo. And then after that demo came out, all the guys in Pile of Eggs, Chris started doing decrepit, serious metal. And my other buddies started doing like more hardcore stuff. And my other buddy was doing alternative stuff. And they all wanted to focus on doing real bands. They wanted to be like real musicians. I wanted to be a sloppiest artist possible. <laughs> they, they didn't want nothing to do with that. But but being in the tape trader scene, I knew I knew a couple people that were doing more like weirder, fun tape project bands. And um, 
my my one buddy I had down in Akron, he was doing a band called uh, Black Mayonnaise, and I knew that he was friends with this dude from Seattle that he introduced me to that was doing the earwigs, and it was kind of like mm-hmm. a one man band type of thing. And then my and then we all knew Billy from New York, which was doing. Uh, a noise core project band called Tracy Lords Loves Noise, and then um, a buddy in Kentucky. He was friends with us too. Like we were all like pen pal buddies, and I was like, you know what? It'd be pretty cool to start a new band with with people that really want to do stuff like I want to do. You know, just like record, just doing stuff in the basement on a four track, on you know, or just pressing record on a booter. You know, like these dudes are into this stuff, and I thought I was inviting them over to Parma to form a new band but when the guys got to my house they're like Steve let's just keep the name of the band Pile of Eggs it's kind of funny it's silly people don't like it we don't have to follow any trend or stay in one style genre of music when we're Pile of Eggs we can do you know noise core we can do grind core we can do death metal we can do punk we can do whatever we want let's keep the name and I'm like okay if you guys want to keep the name that sounds great that sounds awesome so that's why we kept the name with the new lineup because the guys wanted to keep the the, uh, the pile of eggs name so I so that that name could stay in Parma but even though it's kind of like my band but it was kind of like an out of state lineup band and I thought that was really cool for a noise core project at the time no one was doing bands with you know, they're friends from different states. So I always wanted to be in a band that was a little bit different from any other other band, you know? Absolutely. And um, if I could stop you there, what, what really, what I appreciate about this interview and about Pile of Eggs is I wrote to you uh, and some of the other guys that you just mentioned when I was a teenager and tape traded, and I got kind of a hold of your, your zine, and, um, and I, I became, like, fascinated by this story a long time ago, back in the 90s, before people were doing all these international bands via the Internet and stuff like that. Right. And you kind of briefly did, like, a, a lineup, but I wanted to go through, because you said Billy from New York, and you're talking about Billy Nocera, who yep. um, you mentioned Tracy Lord's Love Noise. He also did Pissed Off Orgasm, and he was doing the yep. Be a Freak Records label yep. at the time. He went on to, to to be one of the co-founders of Razorback Records, which some of our listeners might, might be more familiar with. Yes, for sure. Yes, yes. He definitely he started doing uh, Razorback Records, I believe. It was in, like, 98. And in, in 98 was, like, the first year we didn't do Pile of Eggs since 93. So hmm. Billy was in Pile of Eggs from like 93, 94, 95, 90, no, 93, 4, 5, 6. And I think 96 was the last year we did Pile of Eggs with the out-of-state lineup. And then I think like about a year or two later, he started doing Razorback Records. And then he just took off. He just took off, man. He started putting out a lot of serious, you know, cool metal and hmm. horror-inspired metal. And uh, he did pretty... He, really really good with Razorback I, I would say he's still doing good with Razorback absolutely and I just brought that up because it's we've referenced Razorback bands we've talked about Razorback records on the show before and I thought that was like an interesting tie in there you also talked um, about uh, Bizarre Charlie Alien uh, yeah. from Spokane Washington uh, who people might know from the earwigs he had Xenomorph tapes the guy used to do comic books and all he was he was another one of these really eccentric noise artists who would do tons of tapes and different stuff like that and he even put me on blast in one of his zines he put a picture of me where where's will because I didn't write him back one time or something back in the day right right uh, right <laughs> but 
But could I mean he's like kind of an eccentric guy it seems like. Could you talk a little bit about working with him? Um me and BC kind of were, were were so similar to each other that it we we would piss each other off almost in a way. Like our sense of humor is kind of so weird and off offbeat that people would take it the wrong way. So when BC I was friends with BC through letters. That's how I knew this person. I did. I I, I talked to him on the phone maybe once, but it was my relationship with with BC was through letters. And I invited him to my house for the first pile of eggs, you know, noise thing that we did in '93, and he couldn't make it. And then when he when he saw what we did in '93, he was all about, hey, if you guys do this again in '94, I want to come. I want to come. So we, we ended up talking on the phone a couple times, and he goes, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can make it, 94. And then next thing you know, this one day, I get a package on the front porch, and it says to Steve Eggs, you know, and I'm like, what's this box? I open it up, and it's like cowboy boots and underwear and socks and, like, all this weird shit. And I was like, why did BC send me all this stuff? And then I couldn't get a hold of him on the phone. And the, the, the pile of eggs jam was supposed to start in, like, you know, August. And, um, you know, we, we had the date set for August. BC came to my house in, like, July. He came, like, a whole month early, and he didn't even tell me he was coming <laughs> to my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, like weird shit happened with, like, right at the start. Like, the first time I met him, I had to go to, like, a bus station downtown Cleveland to, you know, pick up some dude. I don't even know what he looks like. Because this was, like, you know, 94. We didn't have internet with everyone's picture on it, you know? Like, I didn't know what this dude even looked like. And I get to the, I get to the bus station, and I'm, like, walking around looking for someone I don't know who I'm looking for. And there's this, like, dirty punk laying on the ground on his stomach, you know, like laying on the ground on his stomach and the back of his coat says the earwigs. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess the dude laying on the floor is this BC guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how I met the dude, picking him up at a bus station, in the, you know, uh, you know, and then, and then I'm like, dude, you're kind of early. You know, I got two jobs I'm working. Like, wow. what do you, like, what, why'd you come so early, dude? He's like, oh, it was the only time I could get a bus ticket to get out there, and it was a cheap, so I got it. I'm like, well, you could have let me know you were coming. I could have set something up. Like, I got to go to work tonight, dude. Like, like, what are you going to do while I'm at work? You're just going to sit in my house with my parents? Like, what the fuck? My parents were kind of bummed out about it, you know? Like, I had a, you know, I really had a, you know, sweet talk with my parents. You know, I'm like, Mom, I'm sorry this dude showed up early. You know? Wow. Weird. <laughs> Okay, okay, pause, because this, this is what this is the type of stuff I want to get into, because as a teenager collecting you guys' tapes, I used to think to myself how cool it would be to have my tape-trading friends come and do a band with me, but in reality, I'm sure there's a lot of weird stuff. Like, uh, first of all, you mentioned you live with your parents. Did you, like, run it like, like, Mom, Dad, could I have, like, five friends from completely different states who I've never met come through and record noise with me? Like, how did that go? Well, the thing is, me being the way that I am, and I know who I am, I know who my parents are, they, the, the, my parents have a camper, and they go out camping for the whole month. Later, Mom. See you later, Dad. Bye. <laughs> I, they, I, they, they knew I had the house to myself. Okay. And, and I was like, hey, when you guys go out of town, is it cool if my buddies come into town? They're like, yeah, <laughs> sure. We're out of town. Just don't burn the house down. <laughs> that was Sweet. the big thing. You know, don't burn the house down. <laughs> 
Sweet. All right. That Wow. So my All parents right. were always cool with me having my buddies coming in from out of town. And my mom was the, the nicest lady. We'd make them, she made dinner for us, and she wanted to hear our stories, and she wanted to know about their brothers and their moms and their, their sisters. And, you know, my mom would talk to my friends. My mom wasn't like, oh, my God, that guy has a mohawk. She'd be like, come on in. We're having spaghetti. <laughs> you know, like, you know, my mom was always cool with my friends. Always. Awesome, man. Wow, you just answered so many questions because my parents would not have been psyched on people coming by to make to make noise and stuff, man. Um, right, right. They, they didn't know that we were, you know, doing it at the crack of dawn at, like, you know, noon, you know, or whatever, you know, and going until 9 o'clock at night. And, you know, like, <laughs> they thought we'd make a little bit of noise for, like, a half an hour here and there, but we really noise cored hard when they were, you know, we had the house to ourselves, so we... We rented like a four-track machine, and some of my buddies brought over their eight-track machines, and we were recording on four-tracks and eight-tracks and recording just live. Like, we didn't want to just do like, okay, we're just going to do these ten songs, and we're going to get them down real tight. No, that, that being around crazy people, you want to record crazy music. Yeah. And that's and what Pile, Pile of Eggs was about. Exactly. And when you go through this uh, catalog, like, you know, there's demos that are listed on the Internet. You did split tapes, compilation appearances, and sometimes you'll have like, you know, maybe like a, a like you said, more of a four track uh, structured kind of grind song or something. And then you, other times you'll have stuff that was recorded on like a boombox air right. mic with just you guys freaking yep. out in a room, banging, whatever, yep. screaming and everything. And like it, it sounds like you guys kind of would would um, get together for a few weeks, whenever you know, in August, and compile all these tapes of noise. And then when everyone went home, you would spend the rest of the year compiling tapes out of out of these these uh, yep, these recordings. That's what I would do because they they would get home and they would do the like um, Billy would go back and, and do more uh, Tracy Lords or piss off or, orgasm tapes, and Mike would go back home and just do black mayonnaise. And then we're all alone for the the next year. And we would all do our own thing, and the pile of eggs thing was like my thing. You know, that's what I took care of. You know, like they didn't really take care of the pile of eggs side business. They let me do that. <laughs> and that, that that's that definitely what happened. You know, and then we ended up in 90, 94. I think we, we made a movie, and in 95 we made a movie, and both movies are like six hours long. Both movies. <laughs> you know, the the jams from '94 and the jams from '95. We we were making commercials and we were doing dumb stuff, running around the woods and just making like these weird videos, like just of of, of us going to like you know Denny's and going to like the baseball cages where we'd hit baseballs like in the cage and shit, like just just us running around. And we made these these weird home video movies too. And that bands weren't doing that back then. Bands still don't do that. Really, you know, make a movie about a band, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, the, not not the way you guys did, for sure. And <laughs> and maybe, just something you mentioned before, you talked about a place called Cedar Point, and if I got that right, that's your local amusement park, right? Cedar Point is an hour drive away from Parma, and when I got my driver's license, when I think I was 18, that was the first road trip that I took in my car by my, you know, with my friends, you know, like, wow, we're going to Cedar Point. How do I get there? What's the directions? Like, I've been out there as a kid, but I never drove out there. But I will always remember that being, like, my first road trip in my first car. It's like an hour away, so it's not that really, it's, it's it, it definitely, Cedar Point's considered a Cleveland thing, but it's an hour away. You know, it's an hour away. It's a good, it's a good, uh, let's get out of town type of place to go to. 
Yeah, and that's, if I'm not mistaken, that's where another project of yours was birthed, Nut Screamer, which is pretty yeah. much based on you screaming and recording it while riding roller coasters, right? Yeah, it's the same it's the same bootlegger thing that we would use down in the basement, or I used to bootleg shows. You know, I'd go see, you know, Napalm Death, Godflesh. I would go to shows, and I would bootleg shows all the time. Allegedly. And that bootlegger was like my life, you know? Like, I was always bootlegging stuff. Allegedly, and, um, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, we, no one's getting in trouble here. <laughs> okay, okay. Keep, keep going, I'm sorry. like, 91, 91. It's cool, You're, you know. But bootlegging was, like, crazy, too. But, uh... When I did the second pile of egg tapes, it's just pile of eggs on side side A, and then on side B, I did like these these different fun like little side projects with a couple different other people too, and so side B has all these side bands on it, and that's when I put the nut screamer stuff. I had some recordings of me on the roller coasters, and I put them on the pile of egg demo, and everyone that got the pile of egg demo loved the nut screamer stuff. They're like, dude, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is? What, are you on a roller coaster for real? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then everyone loved it. And then I'm like, well, everyone's talking about liking it. Maybe I should do it some more. And then I, I went back to Cedar Point, recorded some more screams and stuff on the roller coasters, just yelling at the world and going, ah, fuck you, eat shit, burn. You know, just yelling stuff on roller coasters. And uh, <laughs> I ended up putting out a whole nut screamer tape. 92 was the first time I put out the whole full nut screamer tape. And I ended up putting out five more tapes by nut screamer. And uh, Billy from Razorback Records was doing his uh, Be a Freak Records before he did Razorback Records. Yeah. And he put out the Nut Screamer record in 94. And uh, that was the first record that I was on, was the Nut Screamer record that Billy put out. So I had a lot of fun doing the, 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 the Nut Screamer thing. And it, and it, 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 um, it kind of turned into like the stand-up comedy show. I started doing stand-up comedy, and that was called Nut Screamer. And I would, I would, I would like introduce bands, and I, I would do this, and then at noise shows, uh, um, I would, I would play noise shows that I wasn't even on the flyers for, and I thought that was kind of cool because, uh, um, I thought it was kind of cool to, to just shock people, you know, like they didn't know that they were going to see Nut Screamer, but they're at the show and they're gonna. Because I'm I'm gonna play, but I'm not on the list. And people are like, "Whoa, man, that was crazy, dude! Wow, you know." And then I got invited to do some opening up uh, uh, for uh, some metal bands, just doing Nut Screamer by myself, no guitar, no drums, no nothing. I just take the mic and just start fucking screaming and yelling. <laughs> and then I would introduce the band. And then this one dude that was doing like real comedy club type of comedy people, like like comedians. He, he saw me at the metal show, and he was like, hey, uh, we're doing this uh, comedy skit thing at the bowling alley. Would you like to do it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I liked going to, like, other other clubs to do my Nut Screamer act, and, and people just not ready for it. Not ready for that, you know. But, uh, yeah, I really like doing Nut Screamer. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I had to touch on that because... Uh, you know, a lot of your stuff for people in the noise scene, or like I said, people who've seen this sub-CLE interview you did uh, might be familiar with this, but our, our listeners really need to, to uh, get um, an idea of what was going on. And um, I don't want to get out of that, like, early 90s era. You're having your friends come down now. You talked a little bit about Bizarre Charlie Alien uh, in the, the bus station, which is crazy. 
Um, are there any other weird stories about meeting these guys for the first time coming from out of town? People staying at your house, people, you know, your neighborhood friends mixing with your friends from out of state, you know? Yeah, it was kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to make any weird stories weird or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, my friends, I had a friend that she was helping me do the magazine, the scab mag back in the day. And I introduced her to Billy and I introduced Billy to her. And, and they started having like a, a, a relationship through pen pals, talking on the phone. And Billy actually came out to Parma to meet, to meet my friend that was doing the scab bag with me. And um, they ended up kind of hooking up. And, and he came into town to see her. And when he got into town, she kind of had different ideas and didn't want to go as far as he did. And they kind of butted heads a little bit and he was kind of confused like Billy was kind of like man I'm here in Parma and this chick doesn't like me the way that I thought she liked me can I stay with you and I'm like totally you can stay with me hey mom Billy's gonna stay with us for a couple days he's in from out of town okay that's cool what do you like to eat you know like totally cool you know so it was kind of cool and I think that's when me and Billy came up with the idea of inviting the other people in from out of town the following year because um, we did that in 93, the first year with Pile of Eggs, but when I met him in 92, it was just like a weird thing. You know, like, here's a huh. pen pal buddy of mine. He comes into town to hang out with this chick, and this chick's like, no, I don't want to hang out with you. And then he stays with me, and then that kind of birthed the idea of getting the other guys together. So I always thought that was kind of like a weird story, meeting Billy for the first time, you know. And then um, me and Billy, we were both friends with Mike Duncan. And um, Mike Duncan lives down in Akron, Ohio, which is about 45 minutes away, going deeper down into Ohio, like going down towards Columbus. And um, me and Billy were driving down to Akron to pick up Mike, and we ended up getting lost. Like, we, we got lost on the Akron trying to find Mike. And, and we had to, you know, pull over and call, call him from, like, a, like a phone booth. Like, like, you know, like, 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 you know, we didn't have cell phones back then, you know, and we're been, me and Billy are lost in, in Akron trying to find Mike. And then we finally found him and everything was cool. But that was kind of weird. Like the first time meeting Mike, cause Billy never met Mike. I never met Mike. We got to meet him. We both meet Mike for the first time, you know, together at the same time. And, um, that was definitely kind of, kind of crazy. And then, uh, but, uh, you know, back in the day, when, when, you, when you got your pen pal buddies in town, it's just, it's a whole other world. You know, it's not just your buddy that lives down the street that you got to see all year. You know, you get to hang out with people that you write letters with, and you have this total same frame of mind as you do. You know, because sometimes you have buddies in town, and you're friends and stuff, but you get different ideas, and you don't have the same thing. So it's really, really cool to get around like-minded people that just wanted to do crazy-style home recordings, not being involved with, like, you know... The normal studio and the same ten songs you got to practice over and over and over again. But, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exa and, exa and then, the, and then the whole thing with that is when I have my out of town buddies in town and they're meeting other friends and they all met Jim and and uh, Jim would come over. He's like, okay, it's Uncle Jim time, and <laughs> everyone loved Jim when he came over. Like Jim was great. And then Jim's like, hey, there's a party tonight. You guys want to go to this party with us in Brunswick? And we're like, yeah, sure. Um, do I follow you? Should we jump in your back of your truck? Yeah, come. Just jump in the back of my truck. So, like, the four of us jump in the back of Jim's truck, and we go to this party. And, uh, 
you know, we get to the party like what, nine o'clock? Next thing you know, it's like one o'clock and we want to leave. I'm like, man, Jim, you know, we kind of need to get going back. And Jim stayed at this party until like five o'clock in the morning, just arguing with everybody about everything. And, and we were all like kind of pissed at Jim that he kept us at this party until the sun came up. You know, it was like fucking crazy, you know? <laughs> that, that's interesting because you said in, in that uh, the other, the sub CLE interview, that Jim was, he, he did not drink, he didn't do drugs, but he would go to parties and kind of get into debates with people and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 100%. <laughs> Jim, Jim, Jim was over the top, man. I, I mean, I, 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 I can't. I, it, 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 it sucks that he's gone, and I hate it. I hate it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Sucks. And a yeah, story we- about me. It, and and I was saying earlier when when I got that first Minch record is when me and Jim became bigger friends, really good, like really good friends. And I was always like, Jim, I want to be in Mitch. I want to be in Mitch. I want to be in Mitch. Let's do another one. Can I be in it? If you do Mitch, man, can I do it? Can I do it? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. That's me and Sam's band. That's me and Sam. That's me and Sam. But then when he saw how much energy I had with hanging out with my out-of-state buddies and uh, this and that, Jim invited all my out-of-town buddies and me to do the, the Minch record, which was a split with Gonculator. So the 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 third Minch record is actually recorded down in my parents' basement with all my out-of-town friends. And that was really cool that Jim did that for me. Or did that with me and my friends. You know what I'm saying? I'm in Minch, and my other friends joined it, too. You know? It's <laughs> totally cool. You didn't you just know? join the band. You brought your whole crew with you, man. Right, right, right. And then, um, then, then Jim did one more record with just him and Sam, and I put that on a record label that I was starting called Egg Scab Records. And the first record I put out was um, a Minch record split with Mamaracho, which was a band from Japan. And I put that out on my label. And then after that, the next four, five Minch records, it was me, Jim, and Sam, me, Jim, and Sam, me, Jim, and Sam, me, Jim, and Sam. You know? So that was kind of, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, rest in peace to Jim Kanye. Like, uh, we have, um, uh, we had uh, Sharon Beskovsky of the band Derkata. On, right. on the on the show um, several episodes ago, and we all, we just asked asked her respectfully to share her recollections of Jim. Uh, you know, I wish I had gotten to meet him. Um, I, you know, I, obviously, and, and uh, you know, I'm a fan of a lot of his contributions to the scene. So we appreciate you talking about that. Um, and you, you mentioned the scab mag. I wanted to ask you because I know very early on in the game you were tape trading with and interviewed Demolich or Demolik as some people say from Finland. Could yep. you talk about that? And do you know if you were maybe one of the first people to interview them in the United States? Um, I don't know if I was one of the first ones, but I remember sending them the Scab Mag One. We'd be interested in hearing your demo instead of ordering the demo from the band i sent them the magazine and said would you be interested in 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 sending me your demo so we can review it for the next magazine and he ended up sending me the demo because hey thanks for the magazine here's our demo we would love to love for you to review it the day i got it I put it in and i got goosebumps and i was like whoa what is this oh my god Jim, you gotta get over here. You gotta check out this demo. And I remember calling Jim, and Jim came over and he's like, What do you got? And I'm like, Jim, you gotta hear this fucking tape. 
and then we put the tape on and we just we were just laughing for like an hour we played it like three times and we just kept playing this tape and we're like man it's fucking great so jim actually helped me ask some of the questions like i'm like let's do an interview with them you know and and i I sent them the interview and they sent me back some photos and all the answers and it was really cool i mean i mean i wasn't trying to be the first one to interview them or anything it was just that's the way that happened and then like this was probably like in 91 ish when that happened and then i ended up getting to meet auntie from demolik in 2006 because they played the uh the Maryland Death Fest thing. And we drove yeah. all the way to Maryland because we knew Demolik was in town. And then to meet him in person, he was so nice. He was so cool. He was totally awesome. He's like, let's get some pictures. And he was really nice dude. And they actually came into town, I think, about a year or two ago. And uh, they played like a club, like in Garfield, which is kind of like a suburb touching Parma. You know, it's not that far from Parma. But uh, I got to meet him again, and, and he was so cool the, the next time I met him. So I got to meet him, you know? Like, yeah. I never thought I would meet this dude from Finland, you know? But I, I, I ended up getting to meet him a couple times. So Yeah, yeah shout, shout to Auntie Bowman, a uh, very nice guy. Um, per, Did you per, get to meet him? Did you meet him? Have well, you seen them? Uh, well, um, I, 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 I think I mentioned to you when I reached out, I'm, maybe I, I neglected to mention, I'm also the singer of Artificial Brain. Right, and, right. Okay, got you. So, so I, yeah. So you and I have actually met in person before. Um, right, right. Like, like, like at, it was the Maple Grove, I believe, was the oh, name yeah, of that yeah, club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. You, you yeah. Guys, okay, I see what you're saying. Right, got you. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm sorry. Yeah, I lose yeah, no, track it, real fast it, sometimes. It's all good, and we do a lot of interviews where, like, halfway through the interview, somebody would be like, "Oh, you're an artificial brain," because I, I try not to play up the, you know, my bands. I try to keep things a little bit separate. It is what it is. But yeah, so right. I, you know, I've been very fortunate with getting to, um, to support Demolich with one of my bands, and I, you know, I'm really thankful for right. the experience and yeah they are like really nice guys all around all of them especially auntie the um the the singer vocalist guy um right you know good 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 people man and i had to ask you because you know they they've like they were so obscure for so long even in 2006 when they came over and did mdf i feel like it hadn't really um like resounded in the scene how how, how good they are and just recently like a year or two ago when they did that tour that's when it really hit home and they had the support they deserve right got you Perfect. you know so it's, it's it. yeah <laughs> so it's it's really you know it's very relevant i felt that you were so like early on in the game uh with them and you know we, we talk about the early 90s and um i like me personally i could stay there all night the listeners know i'm like a nostalgia head i'm a tape head and all that sort of thing one thing i want to ask you though as we move through the 90s that i didn't want to leave out of the interview um you 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 know you posted up pictures you talked about it uh, i think in your zine back in the day or whatever you did work at your local area hooters restaurant for uh, a period of time right oh yes yeah i had that job for about six years yeah and it seems like you had a really good time and uh you you um you didn't take yourself too seriously judging by the pictures on the official pile of eggs website right um yeah um i i was working um at hooters and that was probably like 96 to like 2000 or 2002. And I worked at Hooters. And the thing that with Hooters was there was a Hooters down in the flats, which is about 20 minutes away from home. And then there was a, 20, then there was a Hooters in Parma, which is about 15 minutes from my house. 
So there was two different there was two different Hooters, and I worked at both of them. I would go into <laughs> Parma in the morning and open up shop and leave about two two o'clock, and then I'd have to be down in the flats like around five o'clock, and then I would close the, the the flats down at night. So I was working at both jobs, and if I had a day off, it just meant that I wasn't working in the morning. I was still working at night. And, or, or vice versa. Sometimes I'd be off during the day and then just work at night. And some days I would work both jobs because going to Hooters was fun because actually both of the Hooters that I was working at had like a lot of fucking drug addicts that worked there. <laughs> we all like smoking pot. So like I'm like, oh, I gotta go to work. It's time to party. Like I went to work to party. <laughs> like 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 work was fun, you know. And then wow. and, and if we if we would if we would get done early, the, the 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 bosses would be like, yeah, if you guys get done at this time, you got free beers. So we would all bust ass so we can get done so we can get free beer. <laughs> like like it was totally oh cool, nice. man. You know? Which, which I, location had better wings? Well, it depended on who was making them and who was breading them and who prepped them, you know? I mean, they're, they're okay. both the same wings, you know what I'm saying? But if I was working, you were getting the best wings in town. <laughs> All right, okay, that's that's what I really want to know. All right, what's the factor here? All right, which, right. Which, 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 one, which one were the girls, like, wifey material and which one were the girls, like, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, fun? Yeah. <laughs> the drug addicts you were talking if, about. If you put if you if, if if you put ten hot chicks in any room, you're gonna have problems. It doesn't matter <laughs> what ten chicks or what room you put them in. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. So, and if you got ten chicks together, Preach. you're always gonna have your top top three and your bottom two. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't matter. You know, but um um, I'm still friends with a lot of the Hooters girls that I worked with. Like I, I, like I met a lot of girls working at Hooters, and and um, the the one girl I'm still like best friends with, you know, like just totally best friends still with my friend from Hooters, and um, um, but uh, it, it, it was something else because because like I, like during the winter I'd always be like, hey, you need me to brush off your car, the snow, you know, I'll brush your car off. So all the girls loved me because they knew I would brush their cars off during the winter. Nice. And then during the summer, it was a it was a, it was like a, a it was like a rule that the girls weren't allowed to leave the restaurant by themselves. Someone always had to walk the girls to the car. So the girls would be like, "Steve, I'm leaving. Can you walk me to the car?" "Yeah, sure. You want to hit this before you go back in?" "Yeah, sure. Let me hit that." <laughs> okay, okay, I gotta go back in. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you have a lot of creeps probably that. I mean, you know. Yeah. And- we're 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 joking around. We're making light of of the um the restaurant and its its place in our popular culture, obviously. But in real life, those girls who work there, uh, the women who work there, have a lot of creeps that that um take things too far. Yes or no? Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. That's why we always had to walk them out to the car. Always, we were always walking the girls out to the car, and uh, it was pretty cool because like we would get tips. So at at, at like I would leave Parma at like. You know, I'd go in it at like nine, I'd leave around two, and then when I came back in the morning, they're like, hey man, here's your tips from yesterday. I'm like, oh, cool man, thanks, I'm gonna put these tips in my pocket. And then I would go down to the flats, and then at the end of the night, we would tally up, tally up the tips, and if like six guys worked in the kitchen, we'd make six piles of, of cash. Four dudes worked in the kitchen, we made four, because the girls would put in a tip jar for the cooks at the end of the night. So I'm walking out of tip, walking out of work with tips in my pocket at night, going back in in the morning and getting more tips. So I'm getting cash, plus my paycheck, you know? 
So that's why I liked working at the Bose stores because I was getting cash. I was getting paid. You know, yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. Wow. Really so, cool. so look between, uh, you know, you're working at a place. People are drinking alcohol. Uh, people are probably doing other stuff. There's probably, you know, maybe some of the women have have uh, ex boyfriends, customers that thought that they, you know, they had a thing going on, but they really didn't. Did you ever witness any crazy situations jump off? Mm, off the top of my head, no. I can't really think of anything like like people getting in fights. Some of the girls didn't like each other, and some of the girls had to be scheduled off the schedule with each other. Like, no, you don't want Maureen and Barb together. Do not make that the schedule. Yeah, they hate each yeah. other. You know stuff like that, but uh, one of the girls that I worked with, there was a there was a show on VH1 called Rock of Love with Brett Michaels. Okay, Brett Michaels yeah. had a show where he was like, I've seen it. There was yeah, a girl on that it. show, and she was down to the last two. Her name was Heather Chadwell, and she was a Hooters girl. So I was, I, I remember going to Heather's parties and stuff, partying with her, and it was kind of cool. Like years later, seeing her on the uh, the Poison show. You know what I'm wow. saying? So she was she she was one of my friends. Like I would go to her parties and she would party fucking hard. Like I couldn't keep up with her, man. She was a fucking partier. Allegedly, Alleg- this it. is yeah. all allegedly. Wow, right, Steve. right, right. This is back wow, in the day. Steve. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're talking over 20 years ago. Wow, fun talk, dude. I mean, there's there's a lot of other stuff I want to get to that that is actually underground music related too, man. But I I don't think I've talked to anybody who worked in two different Hooters and was part of the Hooters. <laughs> like like that's a Hooters lifestyle. I mean, you're working at both places. And it's great, <laughs> right? And the, and 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 the the one that was downtown Cleveland in the flats. That's where like a hundred bars are. Like that's where everyone goes to party on the weekends and all the time in the flats and the. Hooters was like right in the middle of it. So when we would get done off of work, there'd be like 20, 30 bars we can go to at any night. And we'd, we'd always have like really, really good times. Wow. Down in flats, man. So it you're not, fi- so, so to answer my question before, you're not finding wifey in the flats. That's- you're not finding wifey in the flats. But that <laughs> is the girl that I am still friends with to this day, though. All right. We're just having fun. And shout to right. her. Shout to all the women working at Hooters. We're not trying to. Uh, trying to, I miss uh, Hooters, man. I, I miss Hooters a lot because there's no more Hooters here in, in Cleveland. Oh, no. it closed down. I was going to ask if, the, if, you know, I guess you had to move on or, or what. They just closed yep, down. That's and... what happened. I, I wouldn't have quit Hooters. They had to close it down before I would quit. Wow, yeah, that's a, that, that is a quote. Yeah. That is a quote for life. Jesus. Steve, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, but but moving on, because we do got to cover a few other things. Uh, you know, if you got time, hopefully, man, I want to be respectful of your time, Steve. Uh, cool. but, but, um, I know that you did also, uh, find employment and find work as a zombie, as, uh, someone who, who dresses up and wears makeup as a zombie. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Um, I started doing makeup and zombie work in 1999 for no reason. It was in August. It wasn't even Halloween time. My friends that I was, that I did the scab mag with uh my friend sue she uh was like you want to turn into zombies and take some photos in the graveyard and i'm like uh yeah let's go do that she goes let's do it tomorrow and and i didn't know how to put on zombie makeup i wasn't used to doing makeup and she's like oh here do this and then do that i'm like okay yeah i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and then and then we went into the graveyard and we took some photos in the graveyard just just to take photos in the graveyard as zombies yeah normal her, stuff yeah, just, 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 you know, this was like in 99. Yeah. So then in 2000, for Halloween, 
I would go to parties and stuff, and I would dress up like a zombie, or I would pass out candy in the front door as a zombie. And um, we went to some um, costume contest, and me and Sue won $50 for the best, scariest people, you know. So I won some money from doing the zombie stuff. And it was just for fun. The same way with music. I wasn't doing music so people can watch me or I can make money or, you know, I, people think I'm cool. or You know, I just did it for fun, you know. Like, just do it for fun. Let's go to a costume, you know, contest and see if we can win. And we won. And then... Um, I probably did zombie stuff from like 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, and I would only do it like around Halloween time. And then I started going to a horror movie convention that we have here in Cleveland called the Cinema Wasteland. And when I went to the Cinema Wasteland movie horror convention, I took my photos with me of my zombie work. Like, hey, I do some zombie stuff. And people are like, wow, man, those pictures are cool. Whoa, wow. Wow, you're a good zombie, you know. And I, and I didn't know <laughs> nobody else doing zombie stuff. I didn't know nobody except me and Sue that turned into a zombie, you know. Like, no one was doing that. And then probably like around 2007, I had a buddy that was doing some no-budget movies. Not low-budget. We're talking no-budget movies. Yeah, and yeah. I was I was in creators. some of his... I was in some of his movies, and he's like, Steve, I'm going to set up a zombie walk, and I might need some of your help. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do a zombie walk. What the fuck is that? He's like, oh, we're going to get together at the bar. We're going to make it as like a, you know, donate canned foods for the hungry, and we're doing it for a reason. I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's help the hungry out. Let's, let's, let's have a party and be like, come dress up as a zombie, and then we're going to walk around the block, and all the food that you donate, we're going to take it to the homeless shelters. Like, that sounds like a great fucking idea. So we did the zombie walk in 2007, and then the next time when we did the next zombie walk, my buddy that, that set up the zombie walk, he got Bill Heinzman, the first zombie that you see in Night of the Living Dead, to come to our zombie walk. So wow. I got to meet the first zombie in Night of the Living Dead. He's coming to get you, Barbara. That zombie in the graveyard, he's like, Arr. the first yeah, yeah. zombie. Classic. He came to our zombie walk, and we, just got, we got a hotel room with him. He invited all these chicks back to the hotel and stuff. We had a great time. So, like, just doing zombie stuff, it was just like, wow, this is fun. This is fun. I like doing this. I like doing zombie stuff. And, uh, and then the, the zombie walk, like, the first one, we had, like, 75 people show up. The next one we did, we had like 150 people show up. The next one we did, we had 250 people show up. And it got so crazy that we had a zombie walk and 750 fucking people showed up to turn into zombies. Wow. Well, so it just well, kind of like, like it, it, it grew, it grew, it grew, it grew. So anyway, I'm doing the zombie stuff. And at, at, at all the zombie walks in Cleveland, I would go to them. If they're in Akron, I'm going to Akron. If it's in Strongsville, I'm going to Strongsville. If it's in Lakewood, I'm going to Lakewood. So zombie walks started popping up all over the place. And people knew I was in the zombie stuff. And my buddy sent me a, a link. He goes, hey, did you see this link on Craigslist? They're looking for zombie actors. And I'm like, eh, no, I didn't see it. Let me look at it. So I look at it. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, man, it sounds like my buddy Ryan. This sounds like my... Is he putting on the play? What is this? What kind of what, what is this? I don't understand. So I call Ryan. I'm like, Ryan, did you put up like some ad on Craigslist for like some zombie room thing play? He goes, No, but I saw it and I sent the dude a photo. And he says to come in on Thursday. You should send him a photo. I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna send this dude a photo. Hi, my name's Steve. I like doing zombie work. Here's a couple photos. I'd like to come in and try out for your zombie thing. And then me and Ryan went down there and um, the guy goes 
This is an escape room. You have one hour to escape this room. You got to figure out the riddles and the clues and the colors and the codes and the puzzles, and you got to, you know, figure out the clues to get out of the room. And we ran around the room. There was like four of us that answered that ad on Craigslist. Only four people answered the ad. We went down to the room. We couldn't escape the room in an hour. We didn't escape. And the guy's like, would you be interested in doing this job? And I was like, well, what's the going rate for zombies nowadays? What are you paying zombies, you know? He goes, $30 a show. I'm like, the show's only an hour. He goes, $30 an hour. I'm like, sign me up. You want a zombie? I'll give you a zombie tomorrow. You got any shows booked? He goes, yeah, I can book some shows tomorrow. I'm like, I'll be here. I'll show you a zombie. So <laughs> next thing you know, I'm a professional zombie making 30 bucks an hour. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, that is rad. That, that's that's that is, not bad. <laughs> and I did it for a year and a half, and one of the people that answered the ad on Craigslist was uh, Ralphie's brother, Randy. I can't put my arms down from the Christmas story. Oh, uh, no way. And that's his fantastic. name's Ian. So I got to work with a, you know a professional actor, for, like someone from one of my favorite movies. I love Christmas stories. I love that movie. It was filmed in Cleveland. I'm like, fuck. You know, Classic. I love this movie. And then... And the thing that was really weird about him was I was looking at him and I'm like, did I go to school with that dude? Is that guy from Wasteland? Is he a noiser guy? How do I know this dude? Wait a second. Like the whole time running around for an hour in the room trying to escape. I'm like, man, who is this dude? Who is this dude? Who is this guy? And then it was all over. And, you know, the owner was talking to, you know, to this chick and the chick was talking to the zombie and the zombie was talking to my buddy Ryan. And I looked at the dude. I'm like, hey, dude, come here, come here. I'm like, are you Ralphie's brother, Randy, from Christmas Story? And he goes, shh, don't tell him, don't tell him. Like, yeah, how did you know? He goes, how did you know? And I'm like, I, I went to the drive-ins in July when they were doing Christmas in July. You were there signing autographs. I got your autograph. You autographed my, my movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I met you like a couple months ago. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that was me. You know, I was at the drive-in. I'm like, I knew you looked familiar. So I kind of like called him out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he wasn't wow. trying to use, he wasn't trying to be like, I'm a professional actor. I'm in Christmas Story. I want this job. He just went down there saying, hi, I'm just normal Joe. Right. Yeah. He wanted to be a zombie. Talking about right, 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 right. how yeah, much he, he hates it. He wanted to be a zombie, too. Yeah, he, he, he was like, why do I got to be in a Christmas movie? Why couldn't I have been in a Halloween movie? <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, you know, there's the bullies and the toadies and the helpless masses. And uh, sometimes sometimes it's the zombies and the toadies and the helpless masses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yep, yep. that that's a reference really cool, to the movie. Really cool doing zombie stuff for for a year and a half, and I almost brought the business to take it over because the dude wanted to close it down, and I'm like, well, can I buy it? Can I can I buy it? You know? And we were just about to sign the papers for me to take over the business, and then I was going to be the owner, but then everything just opened up and bottomed out and fell through, and nothing happened. So it kind of mm. sucks that he shut the room down, but it's cool because. My next, my next journey was I'm now working at Gotta Groove Records, a record plant here in Cleveland, and I'm now making records for the last four years. Yeah, I saw you talk about that, and it's when you say making records, it's actually a manufacturing uh, plant of some sort, right? It's not like a record label. No, 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 it's a record plant. We have eight yeah. machines making 12-inch and 7-inch records all day long. Wow, so, I mean, you go from doing like home dub tapes and tape labels that are based out of your parents house when you're younger now you're working at uh, an official plant like like is there anything you learned um uh working at this place like 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 what what's something that people might not realize until you work at a record processing plant 
Um, well, it's definitely really cool to know how you make a record now. Because back in the day, I didn't know how to make a record. I didn't know it took a machine bigger than a car to make a record. You know, and and to, to, to know, like, where the stamper goes in the machine. Because to make a record, you need a stamper. The stamper is kind of like your... Um, your waffle maker, you know, like how you put your you you put some some sauce down, you put your some uh, batter into the waffle maker, and you close it, and then yes. you open it back up, and then you got your waffle. The stamper is what makes the waffle grave. You know, the, like when you push the vinyl and right. the stampers together, that you know. So it, it's it's definitely really really cool to be working in a record plant. But I'm in like the shipping department, so I'm just okay. shipping records out. You know, <laughs> after all but, these years, just just sending music where it's got to go again, man. <laughs> no, and it, it, it's really, really, really like mom and pop type of type of record plant. Like, yeah, like everyone yeah. is super cool. There's only like about 35 of us that work there. And um, the owner just totally takes care of all of us. If there's any kind of problem that we're having or if we need to talk to him, he's the doors open. He wants us to communicate and we have a little meeting. Uh, the first Thursday of every month, and he goes over the numbers, and he tells us whose anniversary it is, and whose birthday is coming up, and and we're all on the same page. Like we wow. all like going into work, you know. Like, like he makes it cool that way, you know. Sounds like a great uh, environment to work in. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And then, like when when like I'm in the shipping department, but but there's like ten different jobs, and I can do all ten jobs almost. You know what I'm saying? I can do almost every job. So some days I go in and I'm just taking records off the spindle and putting them in a sleeve, off the spindle into a sleeve, off of the spindle into a sleeve. But we're encouraged to wear headphones. Like, yeah, bring your headphones in, jam some music while you're doing your work. So I got like a little iPod thing maybe about two years ago because I never had one of those. I don't know what an iPod is. I don't know how to use yes. it. Yes. You know, I'm like, what? And I'm like, well, you know, we're, we're encouraged to listen to headphones, but I'm like, I don't want to listen to music because I'll, I'll put on some, you know, Slayer or Death or Obituary and I'll, I'll be going crazy within 15 minutes. I'll be thrashing, you know, like, and, <laughs> and, um, but then right, I was maybe. like, you know what? I, I think I do want, I want to like a little like iPod. So my iPod's got like over 500 CDs in it now. And when I go into work, I just kind of put on my headphones, and some days I'm punching holes in sevens because the machine itself doesn't make the big hole in the seven inch. You know, like how they have the big holes in the, the 12 yeah. inch hole? Yeah. And yeah. I have a machine that goes, bonk, 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 bonk. You know, so I got to have headphones on when I'm doing that. And yeah. uh, I just go into work, and I'm like, yep, what album do I want to check out today? And I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll check out a couple albums per day. And it's pretty cool. And, and a lot of the guys that work in the shop, you know, it's like, ex-members of like integrity and some other like hyper's hell and uh you know we're all like in different we've all been in bands you know yeah we're all yeah. like band dudes that, yeah cool. that that that's that's always great when you when you're around people that understand underground music and that sort of thing man um right and and speaking of being around people that under un, understand underground music uh you know steve we really appreciate your time and you've been very generous with uh with your time thus far uh, you know, we don't want to um, take up too much of your time tonight, but we always do ask um, guests of the show to recommend one older release and one newer release. It could be any artist you like, any genre, anything at all uh, for our listeners. Well, sometimes, like, to me, I might say, like, 
you know, here's my new pick, but they're actually 10 years old. But people <laughs> might not even know about them. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You know, like, yeah. like, if I, like, if I, if, I, if I can think of something like my favorite when it comes to death metal is autopsy. They're right mm-hmm. at the top of the alphabet. And, and, and autopsy is like my favorite and I love acts of the unspeakable yeah. they have about 10 albums and I really really love acts of the unspeakable and uh, autopsy is my favorite when it comes down to death metal and that would be like my older like my classic pick if I would have to pick something and then for like newer stuff like there's like for like newer bands um the newest couple the, there's a couple new bands that I really like and one of them's called Drug Honky I don't know if you ever heard of Drug Honky love that name yeah uh, beautiful it, they, they 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 do something different with death metal that I've never heard before it's more like at, at, at it's like it, it, it's just really good death metal but it's like beyond death metal it's like taking death metal into a different room huh. and it's called Drug Honky and I would like your listeners to check out Drug Honky as like a wow. newer band but they probably have like four or five albums out by now and they've probably been doing music for a couple of years you know so and then there's another band that I, that's like newer to me and they're called Conan I don't know if you've heard the band Conan yet I've heard the name. But, I haven't really yeah, heard. But them. you really, really need to check out Conan because they're a little bit more doomier, but they're really, really heavy. And I really like Conan. It's like a newer band that I would like your listeners to check out. It's like for metal wise. But when it comes to music and things like that, I'm, I, I still love the Rolling Stones. I like Jane's Addiction type of music and stuff. And CCR is one of my favorite bands, too. I'm always jamming CCR and some type of classic rock. And I, I'll even go to soft rock, and I listen to the Eagles and, you know, stuff like that. And it's, it's all about your mood of the day with music. You know, I, like, I seriously know some serious metal people and that's all they know how to listen to and that's cool I want you to just listen to that because that's what makes you happy but I, I got picked on a lot because I like the Rolling Stones and I listen to CCR and I, and I you know I got some Simon and Garfunkel albums and I do like the Bee Gees like people are like Steve you're an asshole for listening to that shit and I'm like yeah I am an asshole and that's why I listen to it <laughs> Oh, Why not? Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to listen to what you like. And we've had all sorts of stuff recommended uh, by guests here. Uh, but but um, I definitely got to check out uh, Conan and Drug Honky. That that sounds interesting. Yeah, really. I think you'll, you, yeah, really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. I hope awesome. you check that out and like it. Awesome. And um, Steve, you know, as we as we wind down, um, I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, you know, respectfully, with with pile of eggs, as far as my understanding is that that the band is kind of done or at least on on a hiatus. Do you um, have any plans for pile of eggs? Uh, and do you keep in touch with any of the the people that used to do pile of eggs with you, like the the um, the people that visited you from from different areas and that sort of thing? Um, pile of eggs has never been buried and dead, and I've never announced it as I'm not doing this band ever again, and. If if I could do a pile of eggs release today, and someone said, "How would you like to put out a pile of eggs release?" 
I would like to jam with like a lot of my Cleveland buddy bands and do like, you know, 10 minutes with this band where, where, you know, you know, this band is my backing band. And then this band, we do about 10 minutes and they're my backing band and then do do different jams with different bands and like the band room type of scenario, like in the band room, in the practice room, and just record something for 10 minutes with different bands and then have like about 60 minutes with like me with, with different bands. And then that way, um, put out a pile of eggs release and there could be actually like 16, 17 people in the band. But then, you know, I put out the release and the dude's like, I'm like, yeah, you know, Bob, you're on this, this release. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm on this release. But then I jam with uh, Tom over there and like, hey, Tom, you're on this. And like Tom and Bob are in the same band, but they never jam together. I like that concept. <laughs> if, the, if you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like in a way. Yeah, uh, would, kind of a strange alchemy mixing different uh, energy together. Well, no, it was just kind of like, it's like weird, like, you know, Bob's in Pile of Eggs and he jammed with me, and Tom's in Pile of Eggs and he jammed with me, but Bob and Tom didn't jam together. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's kind of like weird. And I I wouldn't mind doing something like that, you know, it's like, just out of the blue. Why is there a new Pile of Eggs release? Well, I jammed with six different bands and we recorded 10 minutes with each different band and, and here's something that we did for fun. Here, check it out. We did this for fun. Here, I did this for fun. I want you to check it out, you know. But the biggest thing I would like to do with Pile of Eggs nowadays is just learn how to do the band camp and put all the demos up there and just put them, everything up on band camp. And I've, I've asked about six, seven people, hey, you want to come over and hang out? I got some cash. I'll give you $100. Can you teach me how to do this band camp stuff? Because I'm real slow and I'm not the smartest computer guy. And I kind of need someone to kind of show me the ropes because I get so frustrated when I'm by myself. I'm like, how, does, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I, do I don't know how to do that. I, I need someone to show me the, 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 the way on how to do Bandcamp. And I would like to just put up all the pile of egg stuff up on Bandcamp. Get like a little, a little new buzz about the band. Like, oh, hey, Steve, I never heard this demo before. I'm so glad you put that up. What are you doing with pile of eggs? Ah, I'm kind of trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. You know, it, to do something. So that's what I would like to do. Because pile of eggs has 20 tapes. And I'd like to put all 20 tapes up on Bandcamp so people can hear them. Yeah, man. Um, and if our listeners uh, hear that, um, it's, a, it's a solid offer, uh, money in hand. Um, for right, something, I got it. Yeah. For something that's just... I've asked a couple people. I'm like, you know, my one buddy at work, he's kind of like a QA guy. The QA guys are the people that, like, listen to the records all day make sure that they're not defected or skipping or popping or whatever, you know, and, and he's pretty good on band camp. And I was like, Hey man, a hundred bucks. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, he's got two little girls and he's got a family, he's got life. So he, he doesn't have, you know, two hours to come over here to show me band camp. And then my buddy down the street, he's kind of like my computer buddy. He helps me out with computer stuff. And I'm like, Hey, can you, can you help me out? And then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the time we, we can never queue up. And then when I was doing that other interview, you said from sub CLE, I threw it out there too. So maybe, maybe my luck will change and someone will be like, yeah, I heard Steve's interview and he needs help with that band camp. I want to help him out. You know, <laughs> uh, ho- hopefully, man, I'm, you know, I'm in a similar box. Um, uh, you know, you also, you, you kind of like touched, touched, uh, you struck a nerve with me when you said you just recently got your first iPod. Uh, I had one uh, a little, you know, back in the day, man, but I, I, I know what you mean, man. I'm not a te- uh, technology guy. I don't keep up with the times. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, yeah. I, 
and I'm just now learning how to put my tapes to my computer. But once I get to the computer, I don't know how to break the tracks up. It's just like one long track, you know. So I, I got some tapes on my computer now, and I made a CD, but it's just like one track. And, uh, you know, so I'm getting closer. Once I learn how to, to break up the tracks and I get my stuff up on Bandcamp, I'm going to put the Pile of Eggs, Nut Screamer, Minch, Schnauzer, Zitsquatch. I'm going to put all my bands up on there. And it's yeah. not like I want to... It's not like I want to put them up there because I want to make money or it's about money or I want people to think I'm cool. I just want people to check out my music. That's what I want, you know, like just here it's up there. It's free. Take it. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, you did mention Zit Squatch. I, I didn't want to get through the whole interview without mentioning your, uh, if I'm not mistaken, probably your most recent project with um, yes. uh, Matt Lindsay, a uh, longtime uh, kind of noise punk type of guy. People might remember him from Sockeye, maybe well, his, yep. one of his most more prominent projects he was involved in. But you guys did Zit Squatch uh, 2011. I think 2014 was the last uh, release. Is that still a running project? No, no, no. 2019, we put out, I think uh, that was our sixth demo, sixth or seventh demo. And, and, and we just make, we, I go, Matt has a really nice, nice home studio. He had it in his basement, but he recently moved it upstairs. So Matt has some really nice recording equipment and big, uh, big, big board and you know a computer and you know he kind of he has a really nice studio. So um, we just go and and whenever we have time because he has a family and he has other bands and stuff and we don't always it's not always easy to queue up with your friends like hey what are you doing you know Friday night oh I'm doing this okay well maybe Saturday or Sunday I don't know I'm kind of busy. yeah. But uh, uh, we, we, we do Zit Squatch over at his place, and we just record in the attic, and then we make a CD. My, I have a lot of artist friends that like to draw, so I always get a different artist to do the cover for the Zit Squatch. And uh, um, we have six or seven releases out, and it's just CDRs. I don't make a big thing about it. But I was thinking about maybe making like a, a, a real... Zit Squatch CD with all the demos because all the demos, each demo is like the one demo is like six minutes long, the other minute, the other demos are like not even over fifteen minutes long. So I think we can put all of our stuff onto one CD and just put out like a, a discography of Zit Squatch, like a one CD, you know, okay. or maybe even make it a two CD because we've played two or three shows and maybe we could put it like a live show CD with all the demo stuff and have a double CD, you know. I was kind of thinking about doing something like that. But we've been talking about doing our next jam, and it's just been kind of hard to queue up lately. Okay, awesome. And, uh, you know, that's for you know for the listeners, you might want to go check that out um, more and kind of like that. I mean, it's, it's a Steve Eggs project for sure, but there's uh, maybe more of that, like, old-school metal gore grind kind of sludge going yeah. on in that. It, 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 it's got some goofballness going on. There's some goofy stuff, and, you know, you know just for fun. It's just... Grind noisy, grind. Hell yeah, man. Uh, well, Steve, you know, maybe we could get you back on one day, man. I don't want to take up too much of your time tonight, but we really appreciate how generous you have been with your time and telling us all your different adventures. Um, it definitely sounds like it's been a, a, a colorful um, a life of noise over there in Parma, Ohio, man. Yes, and I, I really think that's cool that you reached out to me to have me talk about this stuff because once... You, you know, like, 
seems like more people are wanting to talk about the older days more lately. And I've done a couple podcasts, and I did that YouTube thing. Now I'm doing the phone thing. It's it's <laughs> it's given me mo- motivation and and to 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 want to do something more. You know, so it's really really cool that you reached out to me and gave me the time too. I appreciate your time, one hundred percent. Awesome, man. And, you know, it's it's like you said, there's a, a lot of nostalgia nowadays for the old school scene. And, um, you know, it's it's a two-way street. The listeners appreciate hearing the stories and, and all that sort of thing. So Yeah, you're doing a great job. You picked really cool guests all the time. And I've been checking out a couple of them a little bit here and there. I don't have time to check them all out. I'm a little bit behind on, on your on your podcast. Oh, but, we have a lot of hours, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, you guys got to... a lot of cool stuff and a lot of cool things. And you're doing a lot of cool things for metal for sure. 100%. I love it. Thank you Good very stuff. much. We appreciate Thanks that. Thanks a lot, man. You know, okay. it's, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. To, it's, it's an honor to, to um, hear you say that, and it's been a pleasure to have you, uh, Steve. So, okay, um, well, you guys... Is that it? Or <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Not. I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying to get the clean finish here, but we don't want to let okay. you off the hook because we All always right. we always ask you to say any last words or messages for listeners and followers of your music and noise uh, through the years and listeners of our podcast. Well, I would like to say thanks to you guys for allowing me to talk about some of my stories. It's been really fun, and I hope you guys keep 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 the guests coming don't stop don't get you know discouraged if you're not getting a lot of listeners or viewers just just hold your hold your horses because you guys are doing a good thing i don't want to see you guys let up just keep going keep the foot keep the foot down on the metal keep keep pumping it out you know and then for all my uh listeners and friends and stuff that have jammed and played in pile of eggs with me i love you guys all to death even though we don't talk all the time as much as we used to i still to love all the guys that I've jammed with and I've jammed with probably over over 30, 40 people that have been in Pile of Eggs throughout the years because I did a bunch of Pile of Eggs stuff after the out-of-state lineup too and uh, I, I'm glad that people are like-minded like myself to just do something a little weird and a little bit off the trail do something a little bit different with me and, and uh, I really appreciate you guys giving me the time like I said, it was really cool for you guys thanks man, I appreciate it Awesome, man. Steve Eggs from Parma, Ohio, uh, of, of Pile of Eggs, Schnauzer, Nut Screamer, Zit Squatch, uh, the, the whole thing. We really appreciate your time, brother, and uh, we'll be in touch uh, in the next coming weeks as this episode is uploaded. Okay, sounds great, guys. Keep rocking, thrash it out. Okay, Steve Eggs from Pile of Eggs and uh, all his other projects that we talked about, man. Zit Squatch, of course, the most recent, still with uh, fairly new material available, as he said. We really appreciate Steve Eggs and his time. What a great guy, man. Fun guy to talk to. I loved that conversation. Yes. <laughs> I just, I, I'm fine just listening to that man. I didn't yeah. need to interject. Yep. He had so much good energy, good things to say. Yes. I did not want to be respectful of his time. I, I wanted know. to just keep him going and going and going until he was like, guys, I got to go. But we gotta we gotta keep a, a you know be respectful of our format, mm-hmm. and I did have to be respectful of his time at the end of the day. Yeah, but um, 
Yeah, what what a, what a funny guy to talk to. Nice mm-hmm. guy. A lot of history in the underground scene there, man. Uh, maybe we'll get him back one day, and maybe we'll even try to ring up some of the other noise core um, uh, people that have been like legacy members of Pile of Eggs that we were talking about. Billy Nocera from Razorback Records, etc. That would be great to talk to him. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and so on and so forth. But tonight we talked to Steve Eggs, and we thank him again. Thank you, buddy. Um, yeah, that was awesome, man. <laughs> Fucking awesome guy, man. Yeah. Really funny. Beautiful, um, man. Thanks. Uh, but you guys, on the other hand, um, I'm going to need you to tell me about some music or something uh, tonight because you didn't make me laugh half as much as Steve, and I don't think either of you ever worked at Hooters. No, I haven't. No, okay. I've yeah. only been to a Hooters once, and I'm, I'm jealous of him at I've this time. I've never been to a Hooters. I've been there once, but it was with the Afterbirth guy, so technically it was... It was it was business, not pleasure. Right, you were have to metal. write it off. It was yeah, it was for death. Yeah, we right. we wrote it off uh, uniquely to records. So right. that, that heavy hole has been uh, combined one and a half times at Hooters. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we're gonna do a live podcast from a Hooters that's having a gore grind show one day. Well, came, and, and what, that, that will be the most women at a gore grind show. <laughs> oh my god, let's stop. What let's came stop. first, the chicken wing or the egg? You know, Listen, really, we want to. What came first, my recommendation <laughs> or Justin's? Let's find out. Huh? And we're back. Okay, so I have a bit of a confession to make. Okay, okay. So I like heavy metal. You already told us you've never been to a Hooters. We know that. Yes, this is true. I like heavy metal too. I'm we're a fan. Fans of heavy metal. Yes. Yeah. So um so so Black Sabbath, right? We you know, they're important. I've heard of them. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So I love Black Sabbath. Okay. In my young mind, um, I've kind of just only listened to the Ozzy records. Yes. And when Ozzy left, I had this immature Zach Wilde mentality of that the, that the rest of this isn't Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't know what to do. Until I sat down at my computer and I said, "Okay, computer, I'm going to I'm going to play some Dio era Ozzy. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in Heaven and Hell." Right, so I loaded that tape right into the screen of my computer. Mine does that. I can just put it in there. It's an advanced computer. Yeah, it's different. I, I gotta get one of these. Yeah, you gotta, get, okay. gotta get one of these. Okay. Hit me up. And I start playing Heaven and Hell, and holy fucking shit. So I know, I've known Dio's like solo career, right? Um, yeah. Had, a, had a, a near-death experience listening to Holy Diver uh, on tour with, with Tom. And you, that, guys, you guys talked about that, I think, on yeah, our tour episode. So, tour episodes. So, there was, so I always had like a weird, like, um, uh, you know, there, there was something holding me back from any, ever listening to Dio because I was like, oh, something's gonna, something bad's going to happen to me. Anyway, I put on Heaven and Hell and I'm completely blown away. I'm like, where has this been my whole life? How come I, I didn't let myself experience the full Black Sabbath catalog, like, you know, when I was, when I was truly discovering them as a, as a child? Uh, and brings me to here today. So we're listening to Black Sabbath, 1980, Heaven and Hell, uh, on Vertigo Records, the the first of the Dio era Black Sabbath albums. Um, and I just kind of like I, I have these notes, but I don't even want to like I don't even want to use them. Just put them down. <laughs> I just want to riff. <laughs> so this truly showed me the power of Ronnie James Dio. Like, I never quite... Like, I always understood it in, like, a, a kind of ironic sense, right? You know, where his disguise are here! Look out! Right? He's, right. he's going out there. But this, like, like... Like, hearing him come into this band and hearing where this band was at um, after... Shit, like, 
with really Tony Iommi, the only like clear-headed member of the band left at this point. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> um, meeting, meeting up with Dio at request of the future Sharon Osbourne um, in L.A. and and coming together to 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 write this record. It's fucking beautiful. Um, this coming out in 1980, my first impression was like this. This is kind of like a, a greatest hits of all of the heavy metal bands that Sabbath influenced, done by Black Sabbath. Um, right, like there's a little like, remix on the influence. Yeah, but all, well, at the same time, ushering what would be like the '80s, you know, what we know as like '80s heavy metal, you know, or like there's some. Er, I, feel, I feel like there's some early new wave of British heavy metal influence in here, um, like. With Motorhead, uh, the first Iron Maiden record comes out two weeks before this record comes out. There's some Kiss in here. There's some fucking. Uh, I heard a uh, bit of Floyd going in to my... listening to this. That's uh, later on in the album, the song "Heaven and Hell." There's very like Floydish, yes. like pretty parts. Yeah, and... there's there's Floyd, there's Zep, there's like some Van Halen esque, like right. early Van Halen kind of shit in here. But it's but it's Black Sabbath. You know what I mean? It's right. like it's the the originators doing it. Um. And I'm like, you know, you, you hear me babbling on right now because I I didn't bother in, in going deep into the, the production of the record, into the mythology of the record. This is like my pure just enjoyment of, of hearing something new or old that is new to me right now. Um, mm-hmm. Well, because I love this band so much and I, I thought it was dead and it's not right. You know what I mean, and and I feel like coming into uh, the Dio era Sabbath is 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 like a bar mitzvah. You know what I mean? It's like it, it, accepting this as as maybe like you don't maybe it's okay that he left, and then all the other stuff is fine. It, it, this is being a man. I'm a man now, and I'm with you guys, and this is fun. Interesting um, analogy. I I disagree with a lot of things you said, <laughs> but ultimately agree with your sentiment. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of those like uh, new wave of British heavy metal influences and later 80s, uh, early 80s metal uh, influences. And th- I think Black Sabbath wrote the book on that throughout the 70s. Well, yeah, even when Ozzy was in the band, not that I'm saying Ozzy had, you know, as much to do with that maybe as the other guys. But um, well, I'm not saying well, I'm not saying that they're influenced by it. I'm saying it's like it. In retrospect, it seemed it's like well, Dio's this is voice the, this lends the, the, itself to that style way more. But even the songwriting, because it's it's you know it's without the other two members until the end of the the recording. Um, it's it's laying the groundwork for what would become, you know, the new wave of, of British heavy metal. It's laying the groundwork for what would become like that that eighties metal sound. Like a lot, yeah, a lot to do with Dio for sure. Um, well, I think it's the, the organic progression of Black Sabbath in this particular time where it's like, at least in retrospect, I, I drew those those, uh, those strings. Not that they were influenced by anybody that came after. Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, I've always, uh, you know, even even till, till to this day, I listen to Ozzy era Black Sabbath. That's that's like black. That's quote unquote real Black Sabbath to me. In my personal as a fan of music. Uh, you know, uh, as as a, as somebody who just listens to music in my free time for for enjoyment, I always listen to Ozzy era Black Sabbath. That's my favorite Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't particularly enjoy Ozzy as a pop culture celebrity or, uh, you know, a lot of his solo work for the most part after like the early 80s, you know, it's its own thing. I'm not one of these people that's like, I, I like something did Oz, Ozzy did 45 years ago, so he's I, am, I will never acknowledge he's become kind of a, a, a joke in, in uh, the last 30 years, you know, but um I also, you know, I had a different experience than you. I, I was, I was exposed to Dio era Black Sabbath late in life. Uh, I will acknowledge it's great music, but I, I just, you know, to me, it's, it's a different era of Black Sabbath. It's not Black Sabbath in a way for me because the first era of Black Sabbath made such an impact. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I was actually exposed. I was actually exposed to the album Born Again. With Ian Gillen um, on vocals before I was exposed to the Dio era Black Sabbath, and uh, I hate that album Born Again. I hate yeah. what Black Sabbath did with Ian Gillen. I don't think it should be called Black Sabbath. From my understanding, it wasn't originally supposed to be. It was a record label's idea. But man, that that Born Again album for having cover art I really like, I despise it, and it turned me off of ever checking out Black Sabbath or I guess taking seriously or whatever you want to say mm -hmm. anything by Black Sabbath post Ozzy years um, and then later on when I heard the Dio stuff I mean yeah I love Dio um, I love Dio's solo uh, albums and, and the albums with with um, with Black Sabbath are great they're, they're definitely good but there has to be also you know you talk about the, the lineup and everything like that I mean there's just there's so much to be said for the original run of Black Sabbath being something fundamental. 100%. And then after that, you really could have called it a different name almost, you know? I don't think that's that's wrong at all. Um, but but this, I, like and I, you know, I'll, like I'm in agreement with you that that original run of Black Sabbath is the most iconic. Like that's like that's the shit. That's what you think of when you think of Black Sabbath. And, um, and you know, it's funny cuz you talk about the lineup changes People act a lot of the times like Ozzy left and the lineup just remained the same throughout yeah, the years. Nah. But but it, yeah, you're absolutely right. Then Tony Yomi kind of like held things down. But um, that classic, you know, 70s lineup, Ozzy wasn't the only one who who didn't appear on later albums. So you have to keep that in mind, too, in terms mm -hmm. of that, that, you know, that pure sound, that Black Sabbath sound. It's funny that we get into this when Steve Eggs talked in the beginning of his interview about how yeah. uh, influential Black Sabbath was in his life. Yeah, so... Uh I'm in, I'm in complete agreement, and, and this has been my belief for, for most of my life up until last week <laughs> um, that uh, about Ozzy era Black Sabbath. Like, that's the only Black Sabbath. Like, I, I couldn't give a shit about any record that they did after. But this, man, this has hit me, and, and I, I, hear the, I hear the Sabbath influence in, in Iomi's guitar playing, um, especially later songs on, the, on this record that have a little bit of, you know, that dirty Birmingham bluesy kind of feel than the ethereal power metal kind of kind of vibe but something about it like something about it kind of clicks a little bit like and the title track is is dope yeah and Dude, and actually children of the sea I saw was um was they they wrote that with Ozzy in the band and there's a apparently Iomi's got a demo of Ozzy doing vocals on that that uh Dude. he may or may not release uh it's a great album and I never, I, I soaked in it after you told me about it. Yeah. Um, I had heard a couple songs on it, but it is a solid album. It's so. tradition. It's like way more traditional metal. So check it out. If you haven't heard them, the band's called Black Sabbath.
tonight, I forgot my notebook, but I listened to the band, and it's all right, because mm. I feel free to talk about it. I really enjoyed this one. There's plenty of math jokes to be had about this name. The name of the band is Algebra. This is a Switzerland band. Hmm. This is like straightforward thrash meets just enough prog. If you're into old school thrash metal and you just want a little bit of change, maybe not all the way like Vector, bringing in kids' choirs and domestic abuse, you go to this band. They, they have nailed it. Loving it. This album is Pulse Question Mark. Came out on Unspeakable Axe Records. 2019. I'm enjoying the guitar work. This drummer's kit sounds so dry. This is designed to be cranked. That's why I like about a mix like this. It's so dry. It doesn't like it's not too loud out of the gate, so you can really open it up uh, and you won't get a headache. You just get a better thrash experience. Yeah, I'm 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 way into it. I really like the vocal style too. It's a little more pulled back, and then they do some uh, harmonies throughout, which are really nice. Good touch. Um, not necessarily hooky though. Um, it's, it, it keeps that prog element in there just enough where the songs are interesting and yes, there's some sing-songy thing, but there's no real chorus refrain thing that that brings you in. It's not like um, they're not pulling a mastodon where it's like we need to stick to music standards of uh, of uh, selling selling heavy music. Uh, these guys are, did a really good job on this album, so I enjoy it. Check it out. Pulse question mark by Algebra. Uh, turn it up loud. These guys definitely seem like students of uh, that nimble little line between thrash and death metal. Yes. Old Sepultura, death, it's kind of old, old, you know, that the line there, you know? Yeah, for sure. in uh i literally you hear that <clears throat> that's me flexing my 12 inch vinyl of uh the album hollow earth by the band outre if i said that right o-u-t-r-e uh who hail from poland um this is actually an album that came out in october 2018 so i'm kind of bending the rules a little bit here uh but it is an underground band so sometimes it takes a little while for uh, things to hit things to reach us this is um a band that's been around since 2012, uh, and this is their um, second full-length album. We have a few splits and EPs that uh, predate this. This I, I really like this because, to me, it, it struck something of a balance between maybe your more uh, traditional black metal and like your modern-day dissonant. Uh, death and black metal, whatever that is. Like, like you know, people talk about Ulcerate. People talk about um, maybe bands like Kralis. Uh, like, uh, like Scarab was one that I brought yeah. in that had a kind of similar vibe. Which, yeah, like, and and I just feel like these guys take that, but they're not. You know, I've read an interview. They didn't really own the dissonant style. They say that they might use riffs that sound like that, um, but they're a black metal band. 
And there's something about this that kind of like harkens back to maybe more of that second wave 90s black metal in a way, but done with the dissonant style in mind. Um, and there's also just something really nuanced and intelligent about this album. I really like the way they put it together. I like the songwriting. Um, I, I just, I love everything about this. Uh, and, and it's just like, um, it's one of those releases that although I say like, you know, it's not, it's not dissonant, it sounds more like black metal, it's this, it's that. What I'm really getting at is that this kind of transcends genre in a lot of ways for me because it hits a lot of ways uh, that I, you know, it hits in a lot of ways that make me like certain death metal bands or make me like certain black metal bands or whatever the nature. It's, 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 it's intense, it's brutal, it's dissonant, it's atmospheric. Uh, there, there's, there's just so much going on with this album, but with such a um, well-defined boundary for what they're trying to do as a band. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I kind of haphazardly, randomly found this, um, ordering it from it from the label uh, that it, that it came out on, which was um, uh, Debemure Morty Productions. Uh, it was actually uh, on sale, just the black 12-inch vinyl kind of basic version. Uh, it was on sale for a very cheap price that made it worth getting, uh, even though the, the shipping was a little uh, crazy because it was from Europe. But um, there's also like crazy bo wooden boxed editions of this album and stuff. If you want to get crazy and look it up, I, I just, uh, you know, again, it's one of those things. I don't want to over talk it too much. It's just, um, it's kind of an understated, brilliant, dissonant black and death metal album that stands on its own. Uh, without, um, you know, without being like, uh, it stands on its own without being like a, a traffic safety cone, you know, uh, in the middle of the street or something like that. You know what I mean? These guys have a lot of personality and individuality within their music, um, but they're not like, uh, you know, just a total freak band. It's, it's, it's classic. It pays homage to a lot of what we love about death metal and black metal in the legacy acts. Um, and it stands apart on its own. So I'm not going to talk it up too much. This is Outre with uh, Hollow Earth, Polish bands. So Outre from uh, Poland with uh, the Hollow Earth album. Uh, highly recommended. Um, guys, I appreciate the albums you each respectively brought in. Um, Steve Eggs recommended the Rolling Stones. No, no, he said he likes the Rolling Stones. He, re he recommended uh, way cooler shit. Uh, we, we really respect Steve Eggs and we thank him for his time. We got to get that guy back. I, I, was, um, I was in love with that man. <laughs> I was ready to listen to him all night. But like you said, we got to be respectful of the format and his yeah. time. Yeah, we're going to get him back. Um, and we're not even going to record it. We're just going to get him back to drink some beers with him and talk about his uh, his life experience. No, shout out to Steve Eggs. Thanks to him, uh, all his projects and all that sort of thing. Man, you can follow him on Instagram. Uh, he's got social media accounts, all that sort of thing. Um, Help him out with his band camp. 
Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, if somebody wants to actually help that guy upload a bunch of things, I know for you young people, it's probably like nothing. That's easy money, man. Come yeah, on. Yeah, young people. Yeah. Uh, Where are you at? Yeah, all these younger people than me. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, if you uh, speaking of money, if you make a little bit of that money helping Steve Eggs put all this stuff on Bandcamp, you don't know where to spend it. It's burning a hole in your pocket. You can always head, head on over to the Heavy Hole Podcast Patreon account. I can think of many things we would do with that money to make this podcast better <laughs> and perhaps our... Um, are gooses more cooked? If yeah. you would, there you go. I could buy myself mm-hmm. some new basketball shorts from uh, Walmart. Like these joints are getting ripped up over here. I've had them for three years. Listen, um, uh, the Patreon account. We got bonus episodes. We got videos coming through. Uh, you're going to be able to watch them like a month earlier than anybody else. Uh, I'm going to start doing little cute li- like lives and videos. Hey, it's Big Will. I'm here to tell you about something. All sorts of crazy shit. Hell yeah. Get um, patreon.com slash heavyholepodcast because Will is cute. Yeah, and if that's too Ooh. much to do, then you just go to heavyholepodcast.com. We're working on new merch for you. Uh, we're cooking up all sorts of ideas. The sticker packs are so last year. Don't even ask me about those. Mm-hmm. That you should have gotten them. Come on, so sad. Yeah, sad. They're, they're, people sad. are people have been they, they, they're ripped up off of the skate deck from people doing ollies and stuff already because they're that old. That's how it happens. I, I knew yeah. I knew that skating maneuver. I don't skate. I just knew that. Yeah, oh, it oh. sounds like you do. Yeah, sounds uh, like you skate. It wouldn't look like I did if you saw me <laughs> on one. Uh, all right, because I don't ride one. I ride a Segway, which reminds me. Yeah. Uh, thanks to both you guys for everything you brought in. Thanks, man. Uh, and bring to the table week after week with the podcast. Uh, thanks to Steve X for his time. Most importantly, thanks to you, the listener, for your time. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's wow. a nice Just wrap up. That's really how, nice. How many fish did you catch this weekend, though, tough guy? Yeah, I caught four fish, man. Don't try and play me. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> 